Welcome to the Alt Asset Allocation Podcast. Exploring alternative investment opportunities available to the everyday investor. Here's your host, Ben Lakoff. So this conversation was with Brandon Silvera of FarmFunder, which is a crowdfunding farmland investment platform. So in this conversation, we talk a lot about farmland in general, farmland in California, and then the types of investments that are available on his platform, FarmFunder, as well as some of the upcoming developments in FarmFunder that they're looking to launch over the next year. FarmFunder is a new platform. They just launched in 2019. They've just got their first deal on the platform, but Brandon is a very experienced farmer that's been in and around farmland his whole life. I really think this is an interesting one. Gives you a little insight from a farmer's perspective of what he's looking at in these deals, how they're structured, what are some of the risks, what are some of the systematic risks to farmland in general. It's kind of a wide-ranging conversation about a number of things within farmland in general. Enjoy. Morning, everyone, and a warm welcome to Brandon Silvera of FarmFunder, which is a crowdfunding farmland investment platform. Morning, Brandon. Welcome to the show. Morning. How are you? I'm doing really well. You know, it's sunny out here in California, that's for sure. I wanted to start, we're chatting a little bit before, but I wanted to start just with a little bit of your background, especially in regards to farming. Sure. Um, Fourth generation farmer um, based out of the Central Valley of California. My my great grandparents and grandparents were dairy farmers and, and row crop farmers and Everything just kind of evolved into where we're at today, which is farming and farmland management. And, you know, just, I, it's, it's funny because when you grow up in ag or on a farm, you know, there is that thing where you just, that's what you're going to do. I, th- I think you love it or hate it. You either run from the farm or you never leave it. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I went to, went to uh, Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, got an agricultural degree and uh, came back and, and here I am. Nice. Yeah. Actually, oddly enough, my grandfather, I mean, we have farmland in Indiana, but I think I I would fall into the category of ran away from it. It's something, oddly enough, now I'm very interested in it from an investment standpoint, but you know, I'm I'm the type of person that calls the plumber when the uh, uh, toilet's clogged, unfortunately. I'm getting better though. You know, I'm curious, you, you have some background on your website. You said your farm management company was recognized in 2012 with over 900% growth. It was listed, Inc. Magazine's list of fastest growing companies, the only agricultural company on the list. That's a that's a grand feat. Do you wanna just talk a little bit about that and how that led you to FarmFunder? Back you know, when we were really expanding and starting to uh, invest and buy more and more farmland and more and more farming assets, as well as expanding the management and and, and custom farming side of, of doing work for other growers and other other assets. You know, we, it, we we had great growth. We had really good opportunity there. You know, the drought issue. There was a, a time there where we had some water, right? Because that plays a big a big role as far as growth goes at that time. When you know what kind of happened was is we, we hit this plateau, and that plateau was 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 capital. It, it, it's it's it was seeing a lot of larger deals being done. You know, where where you know, we have pension funds and we have investment groups and private equity funds coming in and doing very large deals, you know, 10, $20 million at a time. And there was this, there was this gap, you know, kind of where we were at, where we had these really great pieces of property that were 
you know, uh, uh, 160 acres or whatever it was that the investment money wasn't going there, but we saw a need for, uh, you know, we, we saw a great opportunity for good returns in, in that, you know, that size. So at the time, you know, back then, I think 2012 was when they, when they came out with the Jobs Act. And, and right about 2010, I was looking into this. I kind of, you know, said to myself, well, you know, what can we do? And when the Jobs Act came out and I, I read about it, I said, okay, this has, you know, really has a fit for agriculture that I don't think anybody would have recognized, you know, at the time. And I said, okay, that this is going to be cool. And what I did is I kind of, I kind of watched what the commercial industry was doing and how they were raising uh, private equity and some of the larger sites like, like Fundrise and Realty Mobile and these, these, these pioneers of that, that industry. And right about 2014, I decided, you know, this is, do this and started building out the website, started buying assets to put on the, on the platform and developing these assets. Because, you know, one thing I didn't want to do is, 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 is develop this, we're going to be good for investors. So to start off, I wanted to, you know, control the investment to make sure that it was planted correctly, you know, make sure that these, these farmland assets were, were done right. So, you know, that, this, that's kind of what brings us here today. I can't believe it's 2020, but the, you know, the idea really came in 2015. I think we even incorporated in 2015 or 16 and, uh, and, and, and was building the site out. And we officially launched uh, last year in 2019. So that's, that's where Farm Funder is today. Awesome. Well, congrats on the official launch. And it sounds like you've been working through the details of this for quite some time. Yeah, job well done. I definitely want to get into Farm Funder itself, a, a lot of you know, the history and the types of deals on it. But before going there, talk a little bit more about farmland. These assets that you, with the farm management company, are you strictly operating within... California within a certain region, or is this more of a national? So currently we're in California. The, the, the site are, that we have right now is pre-funded deals that we have uh, found the deal and put on the site. We are going to open the platform up to other farmers to apply and we'll, we'll vet those farmers to see if we have a good deal for our investors and, and, and pair those farmers and investors up. And at that point, we're going to open it up to the United States, the Midwest, and, and, and different, different growing regions. Currently, we're, we're focused on California, which, you know, we have, a, we, have a, we have our issues in California, but we have the best returns here. I mean, we really do have good returns as far as uh, farmland goes. So that's where we're at. Yeah, I would imagine the, the land prices are, are relatively higher here than some other places. But, but what's driving the 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 good returns in a place like California and and then thinking a little bit more long term in the last 50 years farmland has had like three down years it's super resilient less correlated all of these things but I do know that soil and water are such big factors in a farmland investment and California like you said there was a drought a couple years ago but California just seems like over a 20 year period, I would imagine that water is going to be a big issue here. How do you think through this when you're investing in the California region specifically? Well, what makes California amazing is, is we don't have that monsoon, right? So we just don't have that weather in the summertime. We, 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 get, we get our rain in the winter 
and, you know, the, the fall, winter, and spring, and, and we're able to hold that snowpack up in the mountains and use that water uh, through quite a, an amazing, intricate canal system for our surface water. And so our growing, our soil types here in the Central Valley, as well as not having those, those summer rains, is just amazing. So and there's a direct correlation between, you know, the price of these soils here, the, the price of this land, and return on investment. So there's a reason why, you know, open land here is, you know, may go for $25,000 an acre with, with good water stock and good soils because return on investment is, is high compared to, you know, if you're going to go to other states where you're, you're looking at water, you know, rainwater and different things like that, you're, you're limited to corn or soybeans and alfalfa and, and certain uh, commodities like that. Where with, with here, we plant a lot of nut crops, but we have a lot of stone fruits, citrus, lemons, you know, as well as vegetables. So there's a lot of options for your investment here. So, I, you know, I think that's what really drives the, the California investment, the price of these, these investments to, to be so high. Okay. And, and talk to me a little bit more about these sorts of crops here. I think I've read that like row crops, they fluctuate a little bit more like these more permanent crops that take forever to ramp up because it's a, it's a full tree growing these sorts of things. But I would imagine you know, it's, it's more consistent. And then suddenly if you have a drought and you lose, lose a lot of these crops, it's, it's very detrimental for returns. Is that, is that somewhat accurate? Way, way far off? Well, you're going to plant a permanent crop or a, a vineyard or, or, you know, orchard of some sort in an area where you know you have consistent water. Uh, you're going to have consistent well water and good surface water. So, you know, that, that's where you, you may plant a row crop in an area where your, your water uh, is more volatile. There's a, there's a lot of different reasons and soil types and different things for different plantings, uh, especially when you start talking about geographical area, sometimes lettuce crops and you grow better on heavier soils and in certain areas, but you know, we're growing processing. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of uh, variables, but you're really looking at, you know, where the, where the good returns are coming right now are from, from permanent, permanent plantings. So it's, it's, it's find the right piece of property, make sure that it has long-term sustainable water. And that's, you know, that's kind of what everyone's going through right now is, is where's is this going to be? Because we have new rules and we have new laws and regulations that are starting to change the dynamics of, you know, what's going to happen with our water situation here. So you're starting to see, you know, hot spots pop up where you, you've got some 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 really expensive ground that was you know is, is appreciating rapidly and some some areas where the water it may not have any surface water where it's starting to appreciate quite rapidly because there's, there's so many unknowns in the next uh, decade 15 years so there's a, there's a lot of different variables uh, but you know one thing i would say with california it's, it's we've got good water nice it, it it actually cut out right when you said that you said there's one thing i'd say about Cal california and then it cut out i missed it what did you say Oh, I said, there's one thing I'd say about California. It's, it's water, water, water. Okay. I missed the first Make three sure waters, but that's, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so uh, as I was saying before we started, like I just moved out here and I literally asked somebody, I was like, does it actually rain here? Like I've been here for three, four months and I haven't seen a single rain, you know, a, hardly even a cloudy day. But yeah, apparently it rains, you know, yeah. during certain times and the rest of the year, it's just beautiful like this. Yeah. I'm curious, 
with any sort of investment, it's always difficult, right? Because you're trying to project what the future looks like and you're making this, this assumption of what it is and then investing in quarter, accordingly. But with something like farmland that has so many variables and you're investing for such a longer period of time, if you could just walk me through high level, the due diligence process that you go through for these new properties, obviously water is top, you know, one, two, and three on that list. But if you could just walk through the process you use, higher level, of course. So I think the process just depends on what we're offering to the investors. And, and you know, if, if we're looking at an eight-year hold, a seven-year hold, 10-year hold, something like that. But, you know, a lot of times we're, we're looking at producing trees that are already producing that has some sort of upside. So the the trees are young and they're going to appreciate you know, very well until we, we sell at peak performance. Or if we're developing something from scratch and going to sell it at, at uh, full production, that's another option. Or if you're looking at a, we, we have a, a, a program called uh, Farm Finder. And that's basically for, for people who want to invest a large amount of money into a farm, we will go out and find that farm for them develop it for them and it will be more of a personal you know type situation so you know we're working on stuff right now between a million and ten million dollars that's to 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 develop some pretty large tracks and, and large large orchards so depending on what those you know what what we're going to offer will be a different due diligence right so always soil soil and water the, the two most important things we're looking at you know we, we want to so if, if, if there's a pistachios or an almond crop you know, we want to make sure that the soil and the water is going to uh, be good for the, the the remainder of this this investment period. If we're looking at a really long or an investment group wants to hold on to it for the next 20, 25 years, then we're looking at, you know, what are we going to plant? What's the water situation like? What do we think it's going to be like in 15, 20, 30 years? If we pull these trees out or if we switch crops, what can be planted there after this? What, what is the next thing that we can do for this investment and this, you know, this soil to have an investment into the next generation or to make sure that the land is going to still hold its value at that time? And, and the best way I, I think I can explain that is you can plant pistachios in some very poor soil and you can get some of that soil at a fairly good price and you can have a hundred-year orchard right there if the price stays good, right? Well, if in 30 years or 20 years, the prices of pistachios drop and we decide we, we'd like to plant a new crop, what crop can you plant in that poor soil? Probably not a lot, you know? So, you know, so, so we try and think about, you know, hold period, you know, what, what, what is the ideal situation and crop for that long of a hold period or that short of a hold period? For example, Right now we have an almond offering on our on our platform and this is an orchard that we're going to exit at peak production and we're going to try and get through uh, you know, seven eight nine years of very high production it's in full production now and 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 so we're not looking at what's going to happen 25 years in the future our plan is to sell that orchard at full production to somebody who wants to buy an existing you know almond orchard and 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 you know exit at that at that particular time so there's there's like you said there's a lot of variables but it's really deal specific so but that's that's kind of you know where we're at what what are the if all those things are in line what is our purchase price and what what's going to be the return on the investment and you know there's some really cool stuff as far as 
depreciation, you know, and what kind of depreciation we take with some of these crops and at different times. So will that help the investor? You know, will it, will it help for their tax situation? We put all that out there and if it, you know, hopefully it, it's enough information that works for somebody they invest. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'll definitely link up Farm Finder. That's a, that's a really neat service. It sounds like an a la carte you know, this is the type of farm I'm looking for. This is the amount I'm looking to deploy. And then you help connect those dots, right? Mm -hmm. Really, really cool service. Most of the deals on the platform, you went live about it in 2019. Are most of these developed from the ground up or purchasing existing crops? Like what's kind of the mix of the, the investments on the platform itself? So, so right now we have a, a developed orchard that, we developed and we're selling now into its fifth year so we'll we'll heat we'll, we'll hit max uh, maximum production next year you know that sixth seventh year we're really going to hit our maximum production for the next uh, 10 uh, 15 years and and so this is an established orchard that should have a good cash yield yearly our next project is a pistachio development where we're actually developing a, a open piece of land into a pistachio orchard and we're going to hold on to it for five years and then sell right about the time these pistachios start to produce and and and, and there will be a, a you know there won't be a cash yield but you're going to have um, huge appreciation pistachio orchards are extremely hard to find right now they're in high demand. Uh, the prices are, you know, the highest they've ever been currently. If you can even find one on the market, uh, if it's on the market, there's usually a water issue or, or something of the sort. But so, so this is going to be a development type situation. So it's just kind of, you know, I, I always look around at different pieces of property, you know, what's for sale, what, what can we acquire at what price and, and try and put something what I, what I want to avoid is, is putting something on the platform that is a similar to like a lease back situation where you buy a piece of property and you lease it back to a farmer and that rate is, you know, 2%, 3% cash yield. And then you, you realize the appreciation when you sell. Well, that, that's great. And it's a, a you know, safe investment. And I, and I do believe farmland is going to appreciate over the, over the long haul, but I'm really looking for something a little bit better. You know, something as a farmer, where would I put my money? And I want to find something that's going to have a higher return. If it doesn't have a cash yield, I'm looking at, you know, huge appreciation by the development side of it. And if it does have a cash yield, you know, I want it to be 8% plus. Well, I hope for it to be 8% plus and, and then still get, you know, a little bit of appreciation out of it. So that, that's kind of how I look at things for the platform. Okay. And, and that makes sense. I've talked to a couple of these other platforms and most of them are lease back, right? You're making like the farmers just leasing it from you. And that at the end, you make a portion from the, the, the land appreciation. With Farm Funder, you're actually um, participating in the upside associated with the crops themselves. And then you mentioned mm -hmm. no cash yield. How, maybe if you could just walk through like how participating in the operational results works and and what those look like yeah so the first part is yeah so what 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 we would do is we're either going to farm that orchard for the investors so they can realize that that additional return on investment or we're going to find a qualified farmer to farm it for the investors so they get to see that return on investment uh, instead of doing a lease back 
more risk. There is more risk. If you have a bad crop, there's a chance you're not going to make any money. You know, that, that's always a possibility compared to a lease back. But I think when it comes to this type of farming, so that's why we're offering it this way. And as far as the pistachio development with no cash yield, so you're looking at, you know, you're going to buy an open piece of ground, you're going to put pistachios in it, and we're going to develop it over those, those years, five years, with no crop. So the trees are just growing, nothing's happening, and what you're seeing is uh, a large appreciation over that five years until we, we think the orchard is going to be worth, you know, say dollars $35,000 an acre, and we're buying property for, you know, $12,000 an acre. So that's 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 where we're you know that's how we're we're, we're doing it the, the investor does not get a cash yield on year one two three four it, it's when we sell the orchard that they will be cashed out you know think, think of it like you're you bought an open piece of land and you're going to build apartments on it but it just takes you five years to build apartments <laughs> you know that's that's makes, sort of it makes sense. how it is you know i mean all, all of these right and ultimately farmland investing is a subset of real estate. You can, you can draw a lot of similarities in different ways, <laughs> obviously infinitely more complicated with <laughs> dealing with water and soil mm -hmm. and uh, something that's planted, all, all of these things. I'm curious, how, mm -hmm. how do you manage DealFo? Like what's the process like to find investable assets for the platform itself? So we we have we have pre-funded some deals and and, and found off-market deals, and we I, I do believe 2021 we're going to start our our opening our platform up to to other farmers, but right now it's just it's just uh, we're we're dealing with other farmers we're dealing with real estate agents we're dealing with you know word of mouth type situations we're we're kind of scouting the area looking for, you know, pieces of property that could be, you know, a, a good investment. That's, that's, that's how it works currently. And that'll change as our, our investor uh, uh, pool goes up. So we wanted to make sure that we have enough investors to do a deal that, you know, within a certain amount of time for a farmer that comes on our platform. But, you know, if the rule of thumb kind of right now is if there's something listed out there, for sale, it's either overpriced or there's, there's probably some sort of issue, you know, that's, that's, that's the underlying. Yeah, this is, this is why it's so important, this due diligence process, right? Like you don't want to be. Yeah, one thing, one thing that I, you know, I've always wanted Farm Funder to be, and, and, and I'm kind of proud to say is we don't have venture capital and outside investors in this, and we don't ever want to be put into a situation to where we have to put a deal and we have to have deal flow because we have to offer something to investors and we have to keep this, you know, the beast, you know, fed, right? I don't want to be in that situation because I don't believe that's, I don't, just don't think that's good all around. I would much rather be uh, a boutique type of crowdfunding platform where our deals are good and our investors are happy. And if we don't have good deals, we don't put them on the platform. You know, I, that's, I think that's better in the long run. And me being Absolutely. a farmer first, I, I feel more comfortable doing that. So that, right. that's where we're going to be. Well, and the investors will appreciate it longer term, right? The worry is that the, like you said, there's not a lot of properties, quality properties for, for sale. And these are longer term investments. So 
know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna realize that a lot of them were duds for the next five years, probably on a lot of them. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, 2012, 2010 to 14, if, if, if I had $200 million, it wouldn't have been enough, you know, oh, man, but, I bet. yeah, you know, it, it, but right today, if I had $200 million to invest, it's going to, it, it would be very hard to find the right assets at the right price to get the right return. You know, I think these deals are, are, are smaller and, and, and harder to come by, which believe it or not, there's probably a good area for, for us as a crowdfunding site to be in because uh, we can do these small. What advantage does crowdfunding get you into that? I mean, access to capital, do you have more capital to go into these deals, but what other benefits does this allow you to have? I think I think dealing with a lot of the individual investors that that want to put in, you know, a hundred thousand here or, or fifty thousand or one hundred fifty thousand here, it's a lot different than do, dealing with the institutional investor that says, okay, well, we, we like your underwriting process and what you're doing here's here's five million dollars. You know, then it's like, okay, well, five million dollars uh, in this track over here. You know, how, how would we we manage that? So I, I think it helps by by being able to deal with just a more appealing piece of property that wouldn't be appealing for a pension fund. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Speaking to the investors that are listening, you know, and in my mind, this is more of a passive investor that wants diversification, that's fine holding it for 10 years. But what are the, what's the ideal investor look like for a platform like Farm Funder? What expectations should they have? What, walk me through like the perfect kind of investor on your platform. I think, I think the perfect investor is, is, has to realize that farming, I, I think a lot of investors really like that uh, monthly cash flow that they would get from a, a, a hard asset like a, a commercial real estate or a multifamily or something like that. And I think they have to realize that you're looking at a yearly payout as far as, you know, once a year we're going to harvest our crops and we're going to get paid out. And that amount is going to fluctuate. And, and, and part of that, you know, I guess the, 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 the learning process that, that the investor has to learn that when we do a budget and we have a, you know, a, you know we're, we're, we're shooting for a 13% return on an asset, almonds are a lot of times on again, off again year. So you're looking at 18% and then you're looking at 12%, right? So I think it's just, you know, it's an investor that realizes that's how it works with farming. We have a bad bloom, it got cold, the crop got rained on when all the bees were trying to pollinate. So production's down this year, but because production's down, demand is up the next year. Then we have a good bloom, right? You know, so there's, there's all these little variables that, you know, it, it, if, if the investor knows, hey, this is, this is a long-term hold, you're gonna, you, you know, you have to get through these short-term cycles, you know, as long as they understand that, Ag's a really good fit. Zooming out a bit, like structural, systematic risks to farmland in general, just backing up. I'm bullish on farmland, just supply and demand, right? Like population growth mm -hmm. is wild and they're not making right. any more farmland. But then I start thinking right. through things like aeroponics or, or where new land that wasn't previously farmable is suddenly farmable or trends like lab grown meat and these sorts mm -hmm. of things. What systematic risks do you see to this 
investing in farmland, it's a sure thing consistent for the next 10 years thesis? Yeah, that's, that's a great question because there's so many different things that, that that's happening. <laughs> that's what we call it, fake meat. And then, you know, with vertical farming, being able to farm a lot of these greens in such a small area with such uh, little water with zero soil, you know, these types of, of things are are great and I think are going to be necessary to increase our, our demand, the demand that, that that's coming. Because what we've, what we've seen is we're starting to see the food demand grow a little bit more than what we're able to increase our yields. So, uh, I, and, and these are not exact numbers, but you know, the food demand were, was growing at, at that at, at 2%, but our yields were going up at 2%, you know, and around that area. Well, we're, we're starting to see that yield plateau where we're not able to increase these and have these big jumps, but the demand is still co continuing. And, and, and what makes me excited mostly about farmland is that a lot of people like organic GMOs are, you know, have this sort of taboo, you know, the, the people don't like them, which by the way, I think, I think they're necessary to increase, you know, the production to keep people fed. But I think you're going to see the same thing where it sounds like a good idea uh, growing meat in a lab and it may taste the same, but it's just not the same. And I think there's going to be a perception of, of all these. I've already read quite a few different negative articles, even on vertical farming and, and how they're doing things without soil and whatnot. It's, it's, I, I do think that the traditional way of farming land and, 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 and good sustainable practices are, are will stand the test of time. So I don't think any of these, these, these small uh, developments are really going to affect good old fashioned farming. And that's that's my personal opinion. I, if if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I don't know. Can't I mean, see these it. things these things are very difficult to forecast out, right? Who yeah. knows with climate change and all of these things? Did, I would say, if if I if the biggest, you know, for for farming, the biggest thing that could really upset it are are our land prices or whatnot is if you saw you know someplace like Africa, you know, really the government stabilize and see a huge amount of infrastructure invested in that, that could certainly, you know, change things, but it, it hasn't changed in a hundred years. And I just don't see it happening. I mean, not anytime soon. Wait, so this would change it because suddenly they would be able to start farming and producing crops and this would throw off the whole supply of, of farmed goods. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's some good soils and I think there's good opportunities, you know, uh, on that, you know, in that area. And it's just, it, you can't invest money into an area that is unstable. And I think that's, I just don't see enough infrastructure happening to really change what we already have in place. So, but, I, but like I say, that's a big what if, right? That would be oh, yeah. the only thing I can really see, you know. Well, Farm Funder 2.0, if there's anybody listening out there that has great connections in Africa and is willing to do a more high-risk farming project <laughs> in Africa, <laughs> reach out to one of us and maybe we'll tell you you're crazy, but you never know. The the investments on your platform are two questions. One, liquidity. If an investor invests in like this almond farm and then do they have any access to liquidity before the end of the holding period? That's the first question. And then the second question is about fees on these uh, investments on the platform itself. 
So not a lot of liquidity. So usually, you know, if you invest in this, uh, it, it's structured in an LLC and you become a member of that LLC. And, and, you know, once you're in, you're in. There were some extenuating circumstances where you really needed to get out and you wanted your money out. I would do a couple of things. I would talk to the other investors and see if anybody else wanted to, to buy that out. And we would do our best to try and help you get out, but no promises. I mean, it is, you know, that is the one thing everyone to hold. As far as fees go, our first offering is a 15% uh, fee on, on the, on the crop and the, and the proceeds of the crop and, and that's, you know, over the life of the, the orchard is pretty standard as far as what the capital raise would be if we were to charge a one and a half percent fee right around there. And our, our second uh, deal is structured as a one and a half percent fee on the, uh, on the capital that's raised. Okay. The difference that 15% is each how does that work? I, I put a thousand dollars, that thousand dollars goes into this investment. And if it produces a hundred dollars worth of return, you take 15, I get 85 every year sort of thing, right? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. And it works out roughly the same is what it sounded like. Yep. Okay. And then you touched on something. Each individual investment through the platform is structured as an LLC. If, you know, Farm Funder is a, is a young company, if you dissolve or go away, that investment would remain as a separate LLC for this almond farm, for example. Yep. Yeah. So all the investors will still own the, if, if, if we dissolve Farm Funder, all the investors would still own the LLC and own that property. And we would just hire another farm manager to manage that property for the investors. Okay. And then it sounds like you, you are doing the farming, the farm management itself as an investor in the, the farm. How can I be ensured that you are charging your fair rate to actually do the farm management itself of the farm? So what I do is I look at the geographical area of where we're at. If it's close enough for us to do the management, you know, I look at what other companies are charging as far as fees and make sure that we are the same or lower. And if we're not in the geogra geographical area for us to farm it, then we will find the farm manager and hire them to manage the, you know, the farm. But there, you know, there's, there's a, there's a certain amount of, of money it takes to bring an almond crop to harvest. And it, it all is right in that, that, that same area. So it would be pretty easy to, to, to see what our fees are, plus transparent as far as quarterly uh, reports of what we're charging as far as cultural costs or, or growing costs and fertilizers and things of that sort. Input costs aren't, aren't marked up or anything like that. We're just covering the cost of a, a tractor going and harvesting it and making sure that it's done correctly and that, you know, that price is covers the cost of owning that tractor or whatnot because you know we don't we don't have any uh, depreciating assets in this there's no tractors or employees you know in this, this this investment okay and then farm funder platform itself i mean how many deals have gone through the platform or any sh stats you can share with me so this is the first deal we put on the platform that we launched so we will close this month by the 31st. So this is our, our first deal, but we currently farm over 3000 acres and, and, and 
do custom work and other other things on about uh, a little over twenty thousand acres. So we're very familiar, as, as you know, not to mention our our off platform the last fifteen years. So as far as the platform goes, this is our our, our very first deal. Awesome. Well, best of luck closing it out. We're recording this August sixth, but this this will be released by the time you've closed. Early congrats. Thank you. I'm curious with Farm Funder, I mean, it sounds like you mentioned in 2021, it will be open to farmers, but what other key big changes roadmap are you really looking forward to? That's, that's the biggest part for me is, is opening up to farmers and pairing these investors. You know, we really want to get our investor base up and we really want to get people uh, interested because there's, there's a lot of, there's opportunities that you, you wouldn't really think of uh, uh, unless you were a farmer, right? I guess. So and I'll give you an example. Uh, you're a farmer, you farm uh, 300 acres and it's been in your family for 150 years, right? Well, the, the property across the street came up for sale and it's a great deal and the farmer knows you and you can get it at a discounted rate. Uh, you can get it cheaper than market value. And the bank says you have to personally guarantee your family's farm that's been in there for 150 years and you may not want to take that risk. What if you lose it and you lose your family's farm, right? I mean, that's always a possibility. So what's great is, you know, you can, you can come in and, and get these investors to invest in that, you know, property and have a, have a structured buyout at a certain amount down, you know, down the road to where the investors make a great return and the farmer who's, familiar with that ground because he's been farming there for his whole life can can farm that ground and not take on as much risk all at one time i, I just think that those types of opportunities are going to help the family farm there's there's going to be a lot of risk you know there's not a lot of capital in agriculture as it is banking is hard the underwriting process is tough i mean as some of these older guys get out of the banking industry that were great underwriters that know a lot about ag, the newer generation may not be as, as in tune with, 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 you know, the underwriting process. So I, I just really think that there's, there's an opportunity for this additional capital and these investors to make money and these, these farmers to have this added option. You know, it may not be what they go with, but it's all, it's an added option for you know to have a platform like this to help these farmers viable in you know in these times i mean it's you are going to see in the next few years you're going to see a lot of of consolidation the the family farm will get bigger i mean that is inevitable and if you don't grow correctly you're going to see a lot of these guys getting out and you're going to see a lot of people get out just because it's too hard it's too hard to sustain and and if we we make this type of platform and this type of opportunity and capital available to these farmers, it, it, it could be a game changer. And I really hope it is because being a family farm and growing up in a family farm, I've seen it change. And it, you know, I don't want to see the family farm go away. Yeah. And we're, we're kind of on that, that crucial tipping point, right? The average age of farmers owning farmland, X percentage of farmland is like 65 years old or something. And yeah, a lot of yeah, their kids or, or somebody like me who wants to live in California instead of, you know, in the middle of nowhere, Indiana and farm, farm sure. my farm. And, and a lot of things have changed, you know, 
in the old days, you know, the, the, the child that was farming that ranch would eventually get the ranch. But that's not really the, the same anymore. You know, when you're dealing with assets that have appreciated and are now worth a uh, hundred million dollars, you don't just give it to one kid. Right. So there's, <laughs> here you go. It's yours. <laughs> Good. Right. So, so, you know, when, when you have to buy out siblings and take on that debt or that risk, it's an also an opportunity for these farmers to say, Hey, listen, I've been farming the same ground in my family for 35 years. I have to buy my sister out. I need to raise X amount of capital and I can make this, you know, this return on investment work for your investors. And if they pass our due diligence tests, what a great way to keep everybody, you know, farming. So absolutely. And I mean, don't forget the investors, right? Because it's actually a gigantic value to them. The, the, the stock markets are crazy. There's no yield anywhere. You're looking for some uncorrelated, non-correlated asset. It's yep. not like it's not like philanthropy. They're not just giving you money because they love this, you know, farmland and the family sort of thing. It's it's a great consistent source of returns that looks differently than other investments. That's also very important. I'm curious, you, you had mentioned that banking within ag is very difficult and that there's not a lot of capital in farmland in ag. I'm curious, why is that the case? Risk, mostly. I, I think you know, 70% loan to value on this apartment complex, then someone takes a second out and brings it up to 90% loan to value. And then, the, you know, some, some crazy person comes in and puts that extra 10% up, right? You see those mezzanine style, right? Debt uh, gets stacked. That doesn't really happen, you know, in the, in the ag world because uh, of the fluctuation of crops. So you're, you know, you're, you don't have a set like in, in multifamily, you know, your renters are going to pay 20,000 a month, right? And maybe the rent goes down, and you know, but there's just, you know, it's it's more structured, and in the 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 farming world, it's you know, it's twenty thousand, you know, or, or, or you know, two hundred thousand that year in profit, and the next year it's you know, thirty eight thousand, and the next year after that it's uh, two hundred and fifty two. So that that fluctuation keeps a lot and leaves leaves you know just less people that want to deal with that. I, you know, there's 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 not a lot of banks that are going to have an ag department that says, okay, I know uh, we have a, a good team who can underwrite this type of fluctuation, right? So that's why I think we just don't have the capital that you would see in other investments. The people willing to take on, you know, uh, there's, there's, I wouldn't even say that much risk. It's just, it's just more work. It's not as clean cut. Right, actually, more perceived risk. My my grandpa's gonna love this interview because he was in farm lending forever. This is gonna be great. Brandon, really appreciate you taking the time. Where can investors find out more about you, about your platform? Where do you want me to send them? I'll send them to the website first. That's farmfunder.com. F-A-R-M-F-U-N-D-R.com. So there's no e in there. If they have any questions, it's info at farmfunder.com, and We'll answer them and do our best to, you know, navigate through this crazy world. Awesome. Well, I think you guys are providing a lot of value and I'm really excited to share this with my audience, but thanks so much for coming on today. There you have it. That was with Brandon Silvera of farmfunder.com. That was a great conversation about a number of different things within farmland. I also have a few other podcasts on farmland in general. I've done interviews with Farm Together and Acre Trader, which 
also are these agriculture crowdfunding investment platforms. Very interesting to see the different types of deals that are showing up on these platforms, the different type of platforms themselves. All of these are, are you know, as a result of the 2012 Jobs Act and trying to give you exposure to these farmland investments that previously were pretty difficult, if not impossible, to get into if you didn't know the right people. This is an interesting new category of investment. And farmland is something that you know I've known about for a long time, but thinking about it from an investor standpoint is something very different. Hopefully you enjoyed the conversation. Don't forget to like or subscribe to the videos, follow us on social media, all of these things. I'm always open to your feedbacks. Please send me a message if you have anything to say at all. I'm happy to see those. And if you have any other platforms that you'd like me to reach out to interview on this podcast, please let me know. I'm happy for those recommendations as well. Have a great day. Thanks.